Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Catswamp Road over in Warren County, New Jersey. And hopefully everything is going well with you today. And uh, God willing, you had a good week. You know, I know that I was pretty, uh, I was pretty hard on you guys last week, as far as the technical content was concerned. I just gotta check this microphone for a second. Yeah, I guess it looks pretty good. I use this. Um, I use a Rode NT1 microphone, and then I have this reflective shield that uh, because I'm not in the sound room. And Austin Middlestadt from Rural Radio, really great guy. Never met him but he's just been a real champion for my radio show and for me, and I can't thank him enough. And uh, he suggested that I try one of these. I've been using it for a couple of months now, but you have to position the microphone in uh, the distance between my mouth and this reflective filter. It's called a reflective filter. I guess it's SEs, and like I, I don't. It says SE on it. It was. Uh, it's, it's a. It's actually a quite good one. You know, when I do this, do when I when I like to when I buy something, I don't like to buy junk. I like to buy high quality and buy it once because I found out in life, it's no fun buying it twice, and also it makes. Uh, I mean, you just have to take pride in what you do. But the whole problem is, is that I am recording in the basement of the farmhouse. And I do my radio show here and the podcast, obviously. And this is not a, it's not a professional environment. And then also, I do not know what things are supposed to sound like. The people say, oh, make it softer or make it, that's soft as far as value, make it warmer or make it this or it's too sharp. I don't know what that means. I mean, my listeners are not telling me that. People that, people that, what, something is falling, what is that? I guess one of the cats just did something, all right? So it's, uh, we're off to the races with the cats. But anyway, on, uh, so whatever. So I, I, I play with it, and I play with the settings and uh, and try to get in the depth of them. You know, it's like setting up a, a motor or a drag race car. Yeah, because you have to. What I've also found is that there is slight variations in, the, I'll call it the tune-up. Right, like you would a drag car, you tune up for the weather conditions. Right, the barometer, the uh, the den- the altitude density uh, correction or index uh, density factor. I think they used to call that a meter for that. But uh, I found also that with audio, and I can understand that because it's waves, it's sound waves. That the humidity in the air, the temperature. Well, I'm in the house here, so in the farmhouse, the temperature is more or less stable. But the hum, well, uh, the humidity in the air, everything, all affects things. And uh, I try to look at the instrumentation and see what it's doing, and make sense of it. But I am not an audio engineer. But I've been blessed though, because I found out that a degreed audio engineer lives down the road from me, and his uh, parents. Where his father actually has a company out in Texas that makes agricultural sprayers, and he's getting involved with drones. So I'm hoping to have him on my radio show and talking about drone technology and what have you. And I said to him, well, I'll make a deal with you. You listen to my, you come and set up or tune up all my equipment settings because if I could get that tuned up by somebody who knows how to tune it, right, <laughs> then, uh, then excuse me, it's not going to vary much. So that is what I am hoping to do because I want my sound quality 
to be the best that it could possibly be. And I'll tell you one thing from what I've learned and people who are professionals tell me sound will drive you crazy. So, uh, so I have seen that. I've seen that many times, but what I'm going to do today is I'm going to, as I start to say, I'm going to take it a little bit easy on you because last week's show about flame speed and about burn speed and all of those, those, those things that are happening inside an engine was, uh, I'll say it was quite heavy. That was a, you know, a, a, a heavy hitting topic. It's not your casual listen. And uh, so I think today we'll just make it an easy show. And what I'm going to what I'm going to do, and hopefully you enjoy it, because I know that everybody could not have attended it. Uh, it almost seems like everybody was there. And that is the National Farm Machinery Show in Kentucky that I went to uh, last week. And I'll tell you about my journey there, my impressions of it, what I saw, a lot of interesting things. So it's just going to be, it's going to be like, like two farmers, you know, talking at, at, at the cafe, at the coffee shop, having a cup of coffee, having breakfast, say, hey, hey, Hot Rod, how was your show? Tell me all about it. How was your trip? So that is what I hope to do today, and God willing, you enjoy it. And then you could share with me at one particular point your journeys and your shows and different things that you have gone to. But before you listen, but by the time you listen to this, both Samuel and Hank will have gone to the doctor and had have been neutered. So uh, t- uh, let's see, uh, Tuesday this week, I think it's the 21st, is their appointment. They had their pre-ops a couple of weeks ago. And <clears throat> Samuel, uh, Samuel has, he got that conjunctivitis in his eye and he had some kind of skin rash. And a doctor house, yeah, doctor house is a lady doctor, uh, and not doctor house on TV. I wouldn't bring anybody to him though. I used to enjoy the show. Is that um, she gave him an injection of an antibiotic, and that seems to be clearing him up. But the conjunctivitis, we were not, we were not able to give him his eye drops, and he just 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 didn't want it and then we would take I'd take the bottle out to give him the eye drops and he would just you know he wouldn't want anything to do with it and i wasn't going to force him to and torture him with it but we tried i tried by myself my wife and i tried charlotte and i tried and it just wasn't i think twice we got one and a half drops and i think one uh, one drop went right on his fur so i'm not laughing but by god's grace i've been praying for his eye and his eye is getting better getting better slowly without the medication and then so and so he has that and that and then uh hank whose actual name is Hanael, because we had thought that he was a girl and we would call him call him hannah when he was a kitten well he still is a kitten but uh call him hannah and of course samuel as if you in the scriptures samuel was the, the the child of hannah and so we wouldn't call him but then we found that he was a boy and then i looked in the bible and then the male of hannah is Hanael, and Hanael was actually one of the of the uh, 12 men that god instructed moses to choose to be the leader of the tw- one of the tribes of israel so we call him hank for short and make it easier so he uh he got into a fight 
with some I think I don't know if it was a raccoon the bites look pretty big uh but he's doing he's doing well I mean the, everything was healing is healing nicely it's nice and clean and dry it doesn't look red but uh you know it's hey that's what you live on the farm you live out in the country this is what happens so they'll be going to the doctor I'll have them check out Hank's leg and then oh also Hank had worms so so uh but we were not successful even with that pill that pill gun so i'm going to ask the doctor to give him the pills and uh, what have you so god willing everything works out well and then i hopefully god willing will be going to the new york auto show auto show new york farm show up in syracuse new york this week and it starts on thursday i think it's thursday friday and saturday i will probably try to go thursday i was originally planning on going there I've been to that show a number of times, <clears throat> and it's quite a nice show. I mean, it's not the National Farm Machinery Show, but it's quite a nice show, and um, it's it's quite large, and it's about three and a half, <clears throat> three and a half to four hours from the farm here, so it's a decent ride. It's not not a terrible ride, but it's a decent ride. So I have to leave here about by five o'clock, five thirty in the morning, and. That'll put me there just about nine o'clock in the morning. And then what I've always have done, and I've been to it a number of times, is I would go there, I'd walk around for three or four or five hours, look at what I can, and then get in the car and come back home. And then I always said to Charlotte, Well, you know, I'm gonna it's a pretty good show. I'm gonna plan one one year to go up there and get a hotel. Stand there's a Hampton in not far not far away according to the Hampton in people and uh <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> and then stay overnight and uh, work it out and then come home so because basically in essence you're driving eight hours for four hours at a show but <clears throat> excuse me that's what happens when you farm in new jersey i'm gonna have to just uh clear my throat here for a second i'm gonna kill a mic okay i'm back thank you and uh <clears throat> so I, I was going to do that this year, and then I decided just at the, just when I came back from uh, Kentucky, not to do that and just go up go you know, go up for the for whatever a few hours and walk around the show because I got things to do here and uh, and the weather is you know Syracuse it's supposed to be fifty degrees here and raining well Syracuse is supposed to be thirty three degrees and ice and snow winter mix and if you go up if anybody is familiar with that route. You go up I eighty. I go up I eighty one right into Syracuse, and the uh, fairgrounds is right there. It's beautiful. I mean, you you have to be a blind man to miss it. You get right off the highway, and it's literally right there. You pull right into the parking lot. <clears throat> so it's beautiful for that because sometimes you go to these places and they're they're off the beaten path, and they're not that easy to get to, like the York County Fairgrounds in Pennsylvania. I just uh, burdensome to get there and there's no signs how to get back to interstate 83 in pennsylvania over there in york fairgrounds and then if you leave at the wrong time coming out of the parking lot the police put you out a different exit or exit than you came in so what i like to do is come in one way park near that exit leave before everybody and go out that way so i know how to get back to the highway but in a new york farm show there's no problem with that whatsoever so you end up going you end up driving eight hours for four hours or three hours four hours at a show but that that is life right <clears throat> so hopefully god willing i will be there and hopefully everything will work out with the boys going to the doctor and they'll get microchipped and everything else that they need to have done 
So what I basically did is to, is I know I'll forget things because that's just the nature of the beast, but uh, I made a scribble list. I made a note list here of what I would hope to talk to you about and tell you about today. So I'm going to reference that and it's like, it's in no particular order. All right. So it's as I kept things popping into my mind. So it's in no particular order. But the first thing that I, I, I need to address and it's terrible, is that that train wreck and fire in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, I was not in that area <clears throat> the way I went across Ohio, so I didn't see or sense any of the smoke or or smell anything. I guess there's an acidic smell in the air. But uh, some people are calling that Chernobyl 2.0, and uh, terrible, and we need to keep those people and and those animals there i heard you know, it's hard it's hard it's hard to really know what's going on in the world today because uh they say it's the communication age but it's the miscommunication age is the communicate it's what they want you to to tell you and uh, i've heard in in uh non-mainstream media that there's uh, a lot of cows that are dying which i could certainly understand that and uh, i pray that if that is the case that their death is merciful, that the Lord is merciful to them, and there's a lot of people that are sick. People, it's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare, and they're uh, making. Uh, I don't know, but then subsequently, from what I understand, is that there's been another number of train chemical train wrecks within a short period of time. I think one in outside of Detroit. I think one in Arizona. One up in Canada. So there's. To my way of thinking, there is something going on here beyond what meets the eye, and I will leave it at that. And we just need to uh, pray for this country. We need to pray for America. And, uh, and you know, through all of these past couple of years, the Lord has put in my heart Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, which is a conditional prayer for my people pray, then and turn from their wicked ways, then I will I will hear them in heaven and heal their land. And I um, that's a uh, a condensed version of that prayer. And we really need to pray for this nation with these balloons. And uh, you can't tell what is going on anymore. But let's get to some positive things here. I have was that had a wonderfully blessed trip going back and forth to Kentucky. It's just about just shy of two thousand miles round trip, and I uh, I left on Monday morning, the thirteenth before Valentine's Day, and was not home for Valentine's Day, and uh, had a uh, wonderful weather was beautiful the whole time. Uh, did hit a little bit of snow squalls and stuff coming home, but nothing major whatsoever. So I stopped in Tiffin, Ohio, going out there at the Hampton Inn and stayed there. And then I uh, got up the next morning and I went and I uh, went down to Louisville and I stayed at the Hampton, which is northeast Louisville, right across from the Ford assembly plant, the same thing I did last year. And that's the Ford Louisville plant. And then I saw a whole bunch of the brand new redesigned to a certain extent. All right. Uh, Super duties. So they were uh, going out there. They're riding around 
uh, all all over the I shouldn't say the running around all over, but there was a uh, a caravan. I would say probably about twelve or fifteen, or maybe more, all different colors, all different body styles, leaving the plant and doing a ride and drive and quality assurance test. And Ford is famous for that, very famous for that. And I'm sure other automakers do it also, but I know Ford is very famous for it, that they'll go out, put 20, 30 miles on, and they'll they'll usually go in unison. They'll go in a, in a, um, a bunch of them in like a caravan and go out and uh and road test the vehicles and they have uh, walkie talkies that they communicate between one another and they have a set test route so i saw a whole bunch of those going around going out on a run and then they also had another the plant is quite large because they build the super duties they build the lincoln navigators there i and i believe they built the navigators and the expeditions there and then the other part of the plant they build the ford escapes so I saw the new escape also I saw a f- number of those running around on the road as far as quality assurance tests I saw the new escape ST and uh, I, I guess I like the body style I mean it's really not much, that much difference I mean it's a slightly evolutionary change both on the super duty trucks and the escape uh super duty probably a little bit more i don't think all of the sheet metal would would interchange from the previous year from 22 but it's not like you have to be really be an aficionado and look at it and say that oh, looks a little bit different right but other than that but the average person it's not a standout as far as wow there's the new super duty or wow there's the new escape it's not it's not going to be one of those it's an evolutionary change as far as the visuals were concerned but i know with the super duty as far as the mechanicals are concerned and things of that nature that you don't really see it's made a, it's a big difference and maybe to a certain extent with the escape and uh so we will see so i did see that enjoyed seeing that uh did not have anybody that i saw at the hotel that was from ford because usually when the engineers or somebody comes there from michigan they're driving an emma plated vehicle and a michigan emma plates and that would mean manufacturers plates so uh, the michigan and a number of other states new jersey has i know kentucky a lot of states have it uh not every state has it they have what they call a manufacturer's license plate and i may have told you about this before one of my road tests and what that basically does is that the plate is registered to the company so ford motor company uh chevrolet whatever general motors would be chevrolet and then they could put that on anything almost like a dealer plate and you could so the insurance is on the license plate the registration is to the license plate and you could put that on any type of vehicle any vehicle and drive it legally anywhere in the united states it's a registered vehicle even canada so uh and you say well, well what's what you know what do i do that for well what that enables them to do is take a vehicle that does not meet either emission standards or crash that crash test standards or, or what have you and drive it legally on the road so a lot of the vehicles so if they let's say if they had a vehicle they came from europe or they had uh, or a, a pre uh, a uh, prototype vehicle that doesn't have any crash standard data uh, they may have a non-emission controlled engine in it or calibration what have you so with the m plate you're 100 legal and historically within the auto industry let's say if a engineer is going to go down to a plant let's say like this louisville plant for example that they lots of times will take an m-plated car with them and drive down there and they will use that car so let's say uh, 
if for instance the person is a production engineer and is involved with the um manufacturing or the assembly line procedure and he's coming down from from michigan in this particular instance ford is what they would do is that even though he's not involved with the that particular building let's say a uh a uh, mustang involved with a mustang whatsoever lots of times they have a pool of or they have a pool of vehicles and they'll say okay you're going to michigan we need to put some miles on this and here's a log book and you fill it out and what have you and what have you and you write down so you usually could tell most of the time when somebody's there from ford at that hotel because of the m plates i walk around the park a lot and i look but i had a blessed trip going out there weather was beautiful i i averaged uh 47.8 miles per gallon uh, it was almost like nailed down there on each tank of gas which is not too bad i guess for winter driving and uh and uh, snow tires on the front which is more and winter gas i should say because really wasn't winter driving it was quite warm it was about 60 degrees when i got to ohio and it was 76 degrees the two days in kentucky the two days i went to the fair the fair (laughs) the show the farm machinery show and uh then when I left Friday morning, within 15, it was 76 degrees the past, the past three days there. I left Friday morning, and within 15 minutes of the hotel, I hit snow and sleet, right? But that's, hey, that's how, that's how it is this time of year, especially down there. But even though it was 76 degrees, it was nice, um, and it was nice and warm the last, the, the, thursday of the show it poured and they were they were predicting uh twisters but thank god i don't think uh, well they didn't hit anywhere near where i was but that's but thank god i think that nobody had a twister of any of any consequence but because the uh, rain was kind of chilly and the ground is cold obviously the 76 degrees did not feel like 76 degrees would have felt in june so uh ended up wearing a, a hoodie <clears throat> and uh which you naturally wouldn't be wearing in june with 76 degrees but that was <clears throat> that was great excuse me and uh so i'm gonna go through my li- oh so we uh go through my list here and just to re to re uh iterate we need to obviously and i believe i said that pray for the people in palestine east palestine ohio and that terrible i mean that i don't know like i said i'm re- going back a little bit but you don't know what to believe in the news today, but I heard that there's forty-three thousand people died from the from the earthquake in in Syria and Turkey. So we need to keep them in our prayers. Also, I mean, even if that number is is elevated or false, I mean it, it's un, unbelievable what devastation happened there. And I don't know enough about it to talk about it other than that particular number. But uh, let me see what else. Everybody, so. Um, uh bu- bu- bu. i'm just going through my list over here all right i gotta eat some crow and i'm gonna eat crow because a couple of weeks ago when i said i was going down there i said that the ride between north of dayton to louisville stinks and i and i hate it there's a lot of traffic it's water very busy and i am gonna eat crow on that because it, it is busy it is everything that i said to a certain extent but i guess last year i had no idea where i was going because i never had been down that route before so when you don't know where you're going all of this becomes highly elevated to you and you become much more sensitive to it and especially i have bad eyes i have to go to the eye doctor because i'm literally 
my eyesight in my right eye has gotten so weak that it's, uh, it's useless. So I'm like a cyclops looking with one eye. And uh, but so all those things I said, it is busy. The people drive like maniacs. <laughs> but that's everywhere but it becomes so heightened when you don't know where you're going i should say well you're not familiar with the area obviously i know where i was going because i knew the route i had to take so it wasn't like i was riding around lost but it becomes heightened and uh the weather was was better this time going down there was no rain or anything and maybe i hit it an hour too early or whatever just but i mean it's busy but it's but it's not as terrible as i had just whatever just was telling you i mean it's it's busy it's uh that whole route is busy that i mean the roads are very good as far as no potholes are concerned what have you so the 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 road structure is very good and uh, but it's not as terrible as i had remembered it being because i was quasi familiar with it and uh but it is what it is but that whole area from dayton down to louisville because it's cincinnati dayton and 20 miles later is cincinnati then you cross into kentucky and for 71 and 75 for the same route there and then you some people going to lexington some people going to louisville so it is it is quite busy and uh so but hey what are you gonna do but then every place is busy today sadly unless you live somewhere out on a farm or ranch it's busy and that's just a different 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 world so i'm eating crow on that i mean it's not a, it's not it's not my idea of a of, of a of a uh let's go for a, a ride there but it's certainly not as bad as i kind of portrayed it to portrayed it to you a couple of weeks ago so eating crow right now all right so the other thing basically is that uh let's see you know this is not, has nothing to do with anything but anybody who's traveled and since this COVID, this whole idea that they don't want to clean the room between your stays. So, I mean, a multiple night stay person is gets really gets really gets a hosing, in my opinion, because you're paying the same rate for the three nights, right? I mean, they're giving you, oh, multiple nights will give you a discount. You're paying the same rate a night, whatever is $150 a night. And then they, t- and this is, and uh, these were all Hilton properties that I stayed at. So it was uh, not in just this trip, but in the past year of traveling, a year and a half with COVID. They were Hampton Inns, Hampton Inn Suites, the Curio Collection, which is very expensive. I stayed at that in New Orleans, a high end, probably four and a half star hotel. And then on this trip, and so all Hilton properties. And they have this thing where they t- they tell you, well, in the Hamptons they have a they have a sticker on the on the side of the mirror that if you if you want room service, you tell them you want room service, and they'll come and service your room. Or if not, they're not going to do anything while you're there. Or after five nights, they're going to service it. I mean, that's crazy. So anyway, and they tell you have to tell them twenty four hours in advance. So I checked and I said, how am I going to tell you twenty four hours in advance? I'm on room service. I'm in New Jersey. So I said, okay, no, no probably we understand. We'll do it. So. I like to have my room serviced every night. I want to come back from business. I want to come back from from doing whatever I have to do, and I want to come back to a fresh room. I want. I don't want to have. I mean, I, I keep it very neat. I don't want to have damp towels in the bathroom on the floor. I want the bed freshened. I'm paying a lot of money for this room, like anybody else's, right? So, and what I have found is that you, the multiple night person, they'll they'll. <laughs> I don't even know what the word is. They'll entertain the thought of doing it one time, 
and then the next time they won't do it. Same thing with this hotel. Sort of, I they cleaned it the one time. I would go down and say, you know, I'm going to be gone all day. Please service. Oh yes, no problem, sir. Room two hundred nine. But 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 come back. It's not done. And then you go down to the desk and say, look, not for anything. You didn't service my room. Oh, I'm so sorry. But so, I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous now. I mean, you're paying this money, so uh, you can make a convincing argument that if you didn't need reservations, if the hotel wasn't busy, you say, okay, I'm in room 209 tonight, I'll give me room 210 tomorrow, and give me room 210, 211 the next day, and check in and check out, because you're paying the same money, and just get it, and get the room service properly. So, but that is that, and I know that everybody complains about that who has traveled during these times. So I'm going through my list here. I said the new Fords. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk about the show. Well, if you have not ever experienced the National Farm Machinery Show, and I only went for the first time last year, but I have to say that the show this year, the attendance was unbelievable. I mean, it was unbelievable last year, but this had to be the busiest, busiest show they ever, busiest show I've ever gone to. I mean, it was, I wouldn't, I would have to say, and I'm guessing this is total, to, to, totally anecdotal information. There's nothing here. Uh, I'd have to say over the, the two days that I was there, which was uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and the show went, was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And the two days that I was there, that there was easily, between the two days, 150 to 160,000 people there each day if not more i'd say maybe 150,000 on the first day on wednesday and i'd probably say 175,000 to to 200,000 people the second day this place was crowded like you cannot believe there was um i think they said there's um over a thousand a thousand um not vendors they don't sell anything but uh uh, companies representing there either was a, i think it was a thousand or 1900 I, I don't remember crazy crazy busy uh took me 45 minutes the second day to get into the parking lot all right and you pay for well you, when you get a press pass you don't pay for parking so uh you get a media pass but you pay for parking last year was ten dollars this year it's twelve dollars and every everything else is free but the amount of people from all over the country all over Canada, a lot of Canadians, but also all over the world that come to this event is unbelievable. And I have to say that it's beautifully run and that facility that they have, and I think they call it the Kentucky Expo Center, and it's right there by the airport, and it's by, um, I guess there's a horse track there and something else. So it's, uh, when you know when you know how to go, it's easy to get to, all right? When you know how to go. If you don't know where you're going like anything in life, it's a nightmare. But you, once you know how to get there, it's very, very simple. It's not. It's right off of, I take uh, Interstate 264, and it's right there. And the thing is that, but to their credit and to the farmers that have come there, that, or that or come there, that are going there, that the place is immaculate. The bathrooms are, I mean, even if my numbers are, are, are elevated, right? Say 120,000 or 100,000 people a day, the bathrooms are all immaculate. There's not a piece of trash anywhere. I mean, you're walking to the parking lot. You, uh, you, there's nothing, nothing. 
Everything is beautifully clean. The people, the people are polite. I didn't meet one rude. And you know, and even though for the most part, farmers are great people, right? People, farmers and ranchers, put them all together. People in agriculture. When you start to have those telephone numbers, hundreds of thousands of people, if a half a percent of them are jerks, all right, then uh, you, you got a lot of jerks running around. You half a percent of them are litter bugs. I mean, nothing, nothing whatsoever. Beautifully clean, well maintained uh, facility. The only thing that I would critique about the facility is they seem to have trouble on those warmer days controlling the temperature. It either get real hot in there, or real cold. And I thought it was just me, so I kept. I had a. Uh, a, a hoodie i took with me you know you take one minute you have it on five minutes later you take it off but other people said the same thing but i'm picking as we would say years ago fly manure out of pepper i mean but wonderful 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 show uh as far as that's concerned and the only thing that i would say to you if you've never planned on going to it put it i, I don't want to say in your bucket list put it on your list to go it's a fantastic show but you have to also identify what you want to see before you get to because there's all of these wings to this to this convent well not a convention center expo center they call it so you could very easily if you don't come there and say no i want to go to this see this company this company this company this company and then i would so i would suggest scratch that off your list the first day or two all right because and then wander around and walk around because you will never ever it, it's impossible for you to see everything there Im- totally totally impossible for you to see everything so uh what i basically did is that i had a number of people i shouldn't say people companies that i was blessed for them that they reached out to me they want to you'll possibly come on board with the radio show and and um and work with me so i said to myself i'm going to go the first day and i'm going to just go in to see those people excuse me and talk with them and then do what i have to do because otherwise you meet somebody you talk to somebody you go you, you almost need a sharper guide in the place all right uh and with that many people you it's really it's not, it's not hard to get around but uh it's just you know the, the the aisles are clogged but fantastic fantastic so what are my takeaways Alrighty. Well, the first takeaway is that, thank God, the past couple of years, the agricultural community, for the most part, has done very, very well in America. And um, it is it is quite apparent with the attendance, the equipment that's on display, and the cost of the pickup trucks that are in the parking lot. All right, they always say, right, you can tell when the farm economy is good, because uh, the years is good, because you can tell what your pickup trucks people have. But the thing is that unbelievable the innovations in agriculture that have come up the past couple of years as far as the equipment is concerned i mean other technologies also seed technology what have you but talking about equipment and the innovations that have come about and almost everything is i don't want to say new but is a a a, a modified or advanced uh approach to accomplishing what we've done for years uh tillage equipment i mean forget about it i mean the technology and the advancements in tillage equipment sprayers i mean like the the fend rogator sprayer uh unbelievable so uh, the things that it, the the, tech, the the abilities that it has tractors combines 
all right uh irrigation uh, irrigation systems you name it uh milking systems robotic milking for cows they've they've come so far that the um the robotic milking systems of a couple of years ago versus today is is like a um day and night like almost like an an old uh big phone versus a, a, a modern s- smartphone so unbelievable uh of the in the investment of these companies in agriculture and also the acceptance of the the agricultural community embracing these new concepts all right and the, the these these new innovations so like i say fantastic fantastic and but um what did what did disappoint me though and then I'm, like i said i'm jumping around is that with all these advancements and all of these this, this just state of the art without the, throughout the industry throughout the industries no matter what sector of the agricultural industry you look at the advancements are just uh, like 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 a moonshot unbelievable but there is nothing nothing of edu- nothing talked about nothing representing education and uh and i'm not talking about education of going to school and getting a master's degree or something but there is a total void as far as any company talking about education. There's, there's, there's nobody there. I don't, I don't even believe that there was a, a school represented there uh, that teaches uh, mechanical process, mechanical things, what have you. And I personally see this being a big, big problem because on one hand, we're bringing all these advancements to the industry. They're using all these different terms, all these different logics and what have you. And the fact is that there's there's nothing, and they're just forgetting about education. And they're just like showing, this would be akin to like showing somebody in the 1950s all right a uh a laptop computer and uh maybe that is a poor analogy but the where is the conduit where's the segue between that and i could just see this being a a mounting and accelerating problem in agriculture and uh, i'm not tooting my own horn by no means that's why i started this podcast that's why i started my website and that's why you know i you know i was blessed with the radio show that that i didn't start that they as i told you many times serious rural radio came to me all right but the fact of the matter is i think that as an industry we are headed for a train wreck and it's not going to be a yield train wreck. It's not going to be a production train wreck. It's going to be a mechanization train wreck because there is, there's, there's no foundation. There's nothing being laid to educate the, well, and I don't care what age. And, you know, people talk about, and, and you know, you get, I don't consider myself a, a broadcaster or a journalist or whatever you want to call it all right and even though i have like 3500 published articles i don't consider myself a journalist because i tell you 99 percent of the journalists are jerks all right um, they're just pompous idiots and 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 i'd say the same thing is happening the same thing is i've you know saw that movie 
I've watched that movie before, and the same thing is with journalists, and the same thing also to a certain extent. I'm not painting everybody with the same brush, but you get these broadcasters and these podcasters, and for the most part, they just they just go off of talking points, and they have a script. And if you've listened to me, and I'm not holding myself as a gold standard by no means. I have no script. I have no script. I don't even know what I'm going to... I know kind of what I want to talk about, but I listen to my show afterwards. Oh, wow, that's what I said, wow. But anyway, uh, and the the, comp- the people, for the most part, I'm not painting everybody in the same with the same brush, they have these people in in um, representing these products, and I don't care. For instance, well, get away from machinery. There's this one small booth I went to, and the person had a uh, had a, uh, a a product there, crop a, a, a product for for, for uh, growing crops, and said on the label that it is a uh, soil conditioner. So I said, okay, that's interesting. Uh, what is you know, what is what does it do? It makes your soil better. Well, okay, <laughs> make my soil better. We need to get beyond this. So then, I mean, nice person. Don't get me wrong. All right, nice person. I mean, he seemed like a nice person. Maybe the guy's a jackass. Pardon my French. All right, I have no idea, but he was nice. You know, nice enough. And I really shouldn't have used that word. I apologize as a Christian man, but it just popped out of me. You know, sometimes things pop out of you, right? But anyway, uh, even though you love the Lord and then you repent for it but um so i said to him okay what is it supposed to, you know what what does it do i mean is it gonna is it i think no matter what i told him he would yes he said does it change the soil's tilt yes okay so i said well i use a product now from Growmark that i i don't know whether it does anything or not but i don't believe it hurts anything and it's by douglas plant health and it's called sp1 is this and they claim that it's some type of soil conditioner but they don't and microbes and everything and they don't advertise it as it doesn't say soil conditioner on the label you got to read the label and everything for it to tell you that so now so this guy is selling agricultural i don't want to say chemicals uh what i can't think of the word to use that usually happens and i have the microphone in front of me and then he, he says i never heard of douglas plant health or sp1 well douglas plant health i'm not saying it's it's uh, syngenta all right or john deere or ford motor company but if you're involved to any extent in agriculture on the level that you're selling a a product that is supposed to enhance the soil in some way right we still don't know how right, from him advance and enhance the soil then i would tend to think that that you would know or uh, and i'm not saying your competition but it is your competition all right and it's not that you're jealous it's not i mean i i don't know every podcaster in the world i don't know of every agricultural radio show in the world but i'm very very familiar with the agricultural shows on rfd or on rural radio i'm very familiar it's not it's not like it's a competitive thing it's like you know okay you know i'm sure if you work in ford you better know who chevy is right or toyota is so 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 unbelievable all right so i said to him well i said to him well you know respectfully i said you haven't 
given me any enough information to know whether I want to invest in this product. All right, you have to give me some more information. So I'll talk to that guy. Well, that guy doesn't know anything more than he didn't know. So like I said, nice people, but that is so abundant today. It's so common today that you have a person representing a product, whether it's a, a crop protection product, whether it's a tractor, whether it's a combine, whether it's a motor oil, all right, then just, you'll just buy it and that's it. I don't know what the heck it does. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll read the label just just put it in there it's good how much you know and uh and then i went to a another company stopped by because they had a nice display and here it is and you know i could come across as a cynical person and i'm really not cynical i'm really anybody who knows me knows that's not my way but i get disappointed in people and I'm sure I disappoint a lot of people also. I mean, that's not something that, that I'm saying that I, that, you know, that I'm perfect by no means. But like I say is that, you know, people, I don't, I don't know what it is. And it's probably was the same. It was the same way years ago, but uh, I, maybe a little bit better, but who knows. But I don't know. So the thing is that, so I stopped by this guy, big, big, I mean, I don't, don't call it a booth, it's a whole I mean, a huge area that they have, and they make uh, conveyors and systems for for grain bins to move the grain around. And big company, I won't mention them. So here it is. I'm wearing a, a farm machinery digest hoodie, which my logo is all on the back. Like my friend Gene Worst has one of those. I got him one of those as a present. Hope you're wearing that out there in Las Vegas, right, before it gets too warm. And it's got the farm machinery, and it's embroidered. It's very nice, not because it's mine. It's not Mickey Mouse, American-made, top of the line, embroidered in the front. The whole back is embroidered. It says Farm Machinery Digest Radio. It's got the Rural Radio logo, Sirius XM. And I'm wearing on a lanyard a badge around my neck that says Media. Okay? So... I mean that's it. I mean so so the thing basically is that so I go over. I'm looking at the looking at the electric motor. It was I think it was a Baldor motor they had on this, and uh, I was surprised it was made in USA because usually they're made in Mexico or China or something. So uh, big high horsepower electric motor and everything looked pretty nice. I'm just I'm not you know I'm just looking at. So the guy comes over to talk to me. So the point is that if you in in just in life has nothing to do with business trying to sell somebody anything it's in life right uh you, you look at somebody and you see you see that they have a media they, i mean it was like it was like he came over to me press play you know like when you get one some of these recorded telemarketers on the phone you pick up the phone and there's that delay and they'll say hey it's hard for it's really hard to get a hold of you ha 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 you're hard to get older president of the united states and and they go through this stuff and you know it's just a recording and the thing is that that's like this guy did he press play <laughs> so uh Instead of, and no, it's very possible. I mean, I do farm, all right? There's a lot of people in agricultural media that do farm, all right? Uh, that's what's wonderful about this community. The majority, I shouldn't say the majority, a good por a portion of them farm, still farm. And so I can understand the person. So he hits play and he goes into this sales spiel, that the East Coast word, a spiel, sales talk, about trying to sell me this thing, all right? God knows what it costs. I mean, uh, so I can understand. So the proper way to do it would be to come and say, hi, you know, jeez, uh, I'm not, you know, farm machinery, digest radio. What is that, a radio? I'm not looking for somebody to, 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 uh, to whatever, to compliment me or whatever. But, 
you know, say, oh, geez, what is that, right? And and, and you say, oh, it's a radio show, oh, geez. And uh, all right, do you, where, are you from? where are you from, all right? That's what the proper thing, say, oh, I'm from New Jersey. Oh, do you farm also? And I would say, yes, I raise sweet corn. I can't use a grain bin and a grain bin dryer. So you, I mean, the thing, but just like press play, he didn't know anything, <clears throat> didn't recognize anything about me. There was like a telemarketer doing a robocall, and you'd be surprised, and this is not a knock on the Kentucky mach- uh, the farm machinery show there. You go to a, the New York State farm show. You go to the Pennsylvania farm show. You go to Commodity Classic, which is supposed to be the premier, right, thing, which I'm not going to this year. But, you know, and the same thing. You know, let's hit play. And then the other thing that people make mistakes, and if anybody from the community, you know, the equipment community and what have you, is that, you know, so, and I saw, this was it was so apparent at Commodity Classic, and it was apparent here to a lesser extent. The only thing that didn't let it get too crazy was the sheer volume of human bodies there. At, the, at this event and going through people's booths by the by or or they call it a booth but by it's not really a booth they displays by default because there's so many people there is that you get these representatives from the company and they all and they're supposed to be marketing people and communications what the heck is commu- communications is you talk to somebody you look them in the eye when you talk to them you have a genuine sincere interest in them you have a genuine you, you're knowledgeable about your product they all got to have degrees in communications and god knows what that means but they're all and it's uh, the worst thing you could do is be representing anything anything and i see that even on farm stands because we have a farm stand there's a there's a guy down the road from us and he he raises some sweet corn he's his farm is about six or seven miles away and he sets up out of the back of a pickup truck uh, down the road from us on 517 and he sells sells corn right god bless them i mean it's yes is it competition to our farm of course it is but it's a free country it's a free world and the thing basically is you build the better mousetrap you have either a better product and taste is subjective with corn so maybe somebody i'm sure people like some of his corn or some people like his corn better than my corn that's fine but you give the customer a proper buying experience you do the best job you can you talk to the customer you acknowledge the customer this guy it's the guy's son he's there all day long with the iphone flipping around he goes to he goes to sit in the care care but i mean terrible but uh the thing is that that's what these people do from these companies so they're they're supposed to be these big marketing people sales managers they're all huddled together like you would be before a football game with the coach talking to you they're all on their smartphones there's people walking through the booth i'm not saying you attack the people i'm not saying that whatsoever but somebody's walking through your booth then you give them eye contact you say hello how are you you know and what what have you you engage them you invite them to have a conversation with you a sincere conversation all right and they're all there with their iphones and human nature being what it is even if i was interested in that product and and had you know the money right in my pocket and I've, I've had this happen many times, and I'm sure all of you who are listening have. You have the money right in your pocket, a check in your, whatever. You're ready to, to find out some things, and you're a serious buyer, a serious potential buyer. All right. Most people, especially in the agricultural community, I mean, farmers and ranchers are salt-of-the-earth people for the most part. If I see five or six company people huddled together like that, sticking together like, like, like uh, 
like like hornets on a nest uh, or wasps on, a, on, a, on, on their nest, I'm not going to go over there and bother them. I'm not going to. I'm not going to because the, the, their body language, what they're doing, they're playing with their phones or they're talking to each other is not inviting for me to come over there. And, and ultimately, they spend these companies spend tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to come to these events. They hire these people, communication degrees, this and that. I mean, the one company I spoke to, all right, will be unnamed, all right, the thing is that the guy was doing something with light bulbs before. I mean, I, I don't know, different. And look, I'm not saying, and you could have done something in the light bulb industry, all right? That doesn't mean that you have to be stuck in the light bulb industry for the rest of your life. But what do you know about farm equipment? And if you don't know anything about farm equipment, then you learn about farm equipment because this is your new vocation. You take passion in it and uh so it's really really uh very very dis- very very disappointing as far as that's concerned and um and but so so common with that and then you get on the other hand you'll get people that are so knowledgeable and passionate about their product and and i have to say not because i i'm doing business with them but i have to sincerely say that everybody at the fent booth people who didn't even know me representing different fent lines <coughs> were all passionate knowledgeable engaging and what have you and i'm and and there were a lot of people there i spoke to a young man who's representing a new uh well it's not new new but there uh it's a it's a it's a corn head for a combine and he was very good he was knowledgeable he was engaging i'm just gonna uh call for a second i'm gonna kill this microphone okay hold on please hello i'm back sorry about that but i don't trust the don pause button but that was that so you know if you're involved with that and in and and that's the other thing is that before i go on it's already almost an hour complaining like an old old washwoman but the fact of the matter is is that so many people today in agriculture and and i talk for a reason not to hear myself talk and that's why i brought up about the other person selling corn down the road uh is that are trying to do direct marketing and it's and I, I think it's fantastic all right because you're doing because you're cutting out the middleman uh you're able to represent your product and i saw this in the car industry years ago and it's probably still apparent but i'm out of it but it was very very in the car repair industry is that they thought that the and back then it was a lot of gas stations that fixed cars but auto repair shops they thought that they were doing you a favor by getting up in the morning and putting the key in the door and coming there that there was and i see the same attitude happening on the farmer level that is wants to do direct marketing to the consumer whether it's whether whether they're, they're raised cattle and they're doing beef or they're doing eggs or they're doing or vegetables or whatever it may be pumpkins or what have you and i've seen this so many times you know people they'll spend a, a lot of money for bricks and mortar i'd make a nice farm stand nice building this person on i will remain unnamed all right but i know somebody 
that put $975,000 into building this beautiful farm. Building is gorgeous. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. All right, very tastefully done. I have to say that. Very tastefully done. Not too super done. Because some of these, these, these people make it look like a supermarket. All right, tastefully done. Very, very nice. I mean, there's a couple of things I don't like about it, but who am I? It's not, I mean, it's not my building, right? But the buying experience there. If you could give it a negative rating, you'd give it a negative rating. And the thing is that for anybody who's listening, if you're looking to direct market your eggs, your milk, your vegetables, your beef, whatever it may be that you're that you're raising, before you do that, you have to learn to have the heart of a servant. And the heart of a servant means that you that you send, and the heart of a servant has to be sincere, not some kind of flim flam used car salesman with a big pinky ring, right? So the thing is that the and just telling people uh, or being, uh, oh, you look so beautiful today, right? The woman's ninety years old, with a, you know, uh, all right. The thing, you know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm giving a poor example, but you have to have a heart of a servant. You have to truly recognize that that anybody who stops at your stand or comes to your booth at the at a farm show or your dealership or whatever it may be is that there's today it's a very competitive world there is there's a zillion of everything you're a doctor there's a zillion doctors all right you're a lawyer because i know i have lawyers listening there's a zillion lawyers right you you're you're uh uh, a dealership there's a zillion dealerships there's uh, you no one has no one has a lock on anything today and which is good for the consumer because it gives them a lot of choice but the fact of the matter is is that you need to sincerely and i'm repeating again have the heart of a servant and you have to recognize that those people all right whoever comes to you whether they consummate a sale or not but they're, they're, they come to you and specifically if a sale is consummated that they have ridden by or in a show like this walked by a lot of your competitors and for whatever reason have chosen to come and talk to you now maybe they came and talked to you because they're investigating buying something i understand that fine all right but the thing is that then you have to honor whatever time they give you to and i'm not saying that, that the customer is always right i mean you get you get jerks sometimes but the majority of the but the majority of people if they're coming you know and 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 that's how i I, I feel with everything is that within five miles of our corn i think there's five or six different farms that are selling sweet corn all right yes it's sweet corn is it the same sweet corn that we raise no it's not well i don't raise the same sweet corn he does also all right so you know <laughs> so whatever i'm not saying that mine is better than his but there's so if somebody is coming and they're driving by four or five other farm stands or one other farm stand or one other gas station or whatever it may be and their motive their is to come to you for whatever reason you have to honor that all right you have to honor that and you have to have the heart of a servant you don't act like you're doing doing the person a favor because you came and uh and and it came to this this show and sta- standing at a booth because you work for xyz company and uh you have to be knowledgeable you have to be sincere and you have to want to be able and show an interest in that person sincerely 
right? And I keep repeating that word because the word because the, today the world is full of phony balonies, and every business is full of phony balonies. And if you are thinking about having a direct to market business from your farm, whatever it may be, all right, or whatever it may be, and you're going to deal with the customer, then what I suggest for you to do is make a mental list in your mind of all of the bad buying experiences you had and how you were treated, all right, and then don't do that. But I'll tell you one thing, everybody, everybody does not have the ability to have the the heart of a servant. They don't. All right, I'm not saying they're a bad person, but they should be someplace locked away someplace and either running a tractor or, or, or milking the cows uh, or uh, shipping stuff out of the shipping, whatever it may be. They should not be in the public eye because they do not know how to interact with the public and they don't have the proper thought process and sincerity that is required to do that. And, uh, and I've seen that time and time again. But let me continue on because I'm already an hour. And let me see what else. But it uh, was, was very, very, very excellent, excellent show. Uh, I met a guy at the uh, 360, I think, it, well, uh, 360 Yield Center, and that's uh, Greg Souter and he invented precision planting and the precision planting meters and the delta force and he did all that and he's a farmer and still a dairy farmer and he very very forward-thinking individual and i have precision planting meters on my on my corn planter and i squandered his booth he was giving a presentation um and i never i never met him before and i even though i have some of his products on my farm and uh but after the presentation, and I saw doing the presentation, he was looking at me, and then I was very, very honored. I'm saying this humbly to find out that he listens to my show on radio. So I had a nice conversation with Greg Souter from 360. I think it's called 360 Yield now. Uh, he ended up he started precision planting. He ended up selling it to Monsanto, and then Monsanto had it, and then when they got bought out by whoever bought them out anymore i don't remember bayer i think it was all right uh they ended up selling three he's ended up they they ended up selling uh precision planting to uh john deere and then what happened was that with that some some government thing was coming after john deere like they came after general motors in the 70s saying they were too big so they saw they ended up spinning off precision planting because they had have it too long and then agco bought it but then he started another company it's three i think 360 yield center or something it's called but anyway so i was so i spoke to him he says oh he says i i, I love your show and um, i love your show so i, I spoke to him about the on the road podcast and he's gonna and he wants to be on the on the road podcast so hopefully we can make that happen this is a busy time of year for him all right so who knows uh but uh let me see what else i got my list here i found that this other person reached well the, the representative reached out to me sarah and uh she's excellent and and you and you take a guy like i'm going to use greg sorter for example you know, he's a sincere, knowledgeable rep. He's he's just a, he's just a real guy. 
All right, yeah, of course he wants you to, he's not trying to, I mean, just just the whole difference. It's a whole difference. And this, this uh, Sarah, I forgot what her last name is, I think Landis, whatever, it's irrelevant. But she had reached out to me before the show with this company uh, that they, and you could look it up and just do an internet search for trust me you gotta see you gotta see this thing it's called the walk about mother bin and it's and it's, it looks like a, it's most if most people when you look at it, you think it's a grain cart then what a grain cart is used it the a combine has the ability uh, has a hopper and has the ability to harvest the corn the, the small grains whatever it may be and it stores it in there and then it would you would offload that into a grain cart and and a, a big operation would have the combine still still harvesting and it has an auger and the auger would be unloading the the, the harvest crop from the combine and putting it in a grain cart which is pulled by a tractor and then the grain cart would pull away and and either dump it into a, a, a semi or bring it to whatever the grain whatever it may be you may have a on-farm grain storage what have you so what had happened was that i got i was uh contacted by the, the representative sarah and she's the polar opposite of everything i complained about and this is a concept this thing is huge i think it's 54 or 58 feet long it's got seven axles 14 wheels on three axles steer but it's not a grain cart when you look at you think it's a grain cart and what's a concept that was founded in australia about 30 years ago and its actual proper name is mother bin that's what they call it. So what basically happens is for it's for uh, now let's, a bushel of corn weighs fifty six pounds. So just figure it out the grain without without the mother bin what this thing weighs with with four thousand bushels of four thousand times fifty six plus that. So all right, how heavy this thing is. So the concept is it was developed in Australia about thirty years ago because they were running into labor shortages, equipment shortages, everything. So it's for harvest efficiency so what you do is you have the combine running across the field the grain cart is taking the grain from the combine whatever the crop may be and this mother bin is now parked at the edge of the field or on the side of the road and the grain and the grain cart the tractor with the grain cart dumps the product the crop into the mother bin and then it's an intermediate staging area four thousand bushels and then the semi comes and the mother bin has its own auger on it and then the semi comes or the grain truck comes whatever usually guys of this that would buy something like this uh have semis and they'll come so basically in essence you're not holding up the combine waiting for the semi so if the semi break out broke down he got caught in traffic you have this four thousand bushel intermediate bunching point for the grain to keep your to keep your combine going so instead of buying more grain carts and more combines all right you're running you're drastically increasing your efficiency your harvest efficiency by using this as a midpoint storage or bunching point so i i spent a lot of time with them the owner of the company dave head is a very interesting man he's originally from australia he lives in south dakota these walkabout mother bins are actually built up in north dakota and uh he and i just hit it all off hit it off and uh 
fantastic. I'm very excited about hopefully doing something to help them get the market acceptance and let my audience know about this mother bin. But look it up. It's Walkabout and and his logo because he was originally from Australia. He talks mate and everything. So here it is. I'm, I'm, so I say to him, Jersey is yo. You don't say like, oh, yo, you know. And so, so I said to him, yo, mate. So I got a little bit of Jersey in Australia there. And his, and uh, the there's a logo of a kangaroo. And inside the kangaroo, it's red, white, and blue. So he's got his Australian birthplace and his love for America. And then it's called the it, this model he has now 4,000 bushels is called an eastern gray and it's painted gray and I said oh is that the paint color he goes no and it's actually named if there's a kangaroo named an eastern gray so and then he's going to come up with a, another bin which is I think is going to be 6,000 bushels and there's another kangaroo red something and those are going to be painted red but unbelievably this these he sold three sold consummated sales three of these bins the first day of the show one gentleman one farmer down in north carolina bought one and another farmer in arkansas bought two so i was so so happy for him and it's a great small little company and just unbelievable but the polar opposite of all the things that 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 i was complaining about before but check that out walk about mother bin and uh what i do want to uh close with a little story that i heard has nothing to do with uh with anything uh about the farm show but i love when i'm riding in the car listen to the radio and i like to listen to uh on sirius i think it's channel 131 family radio whatever they call it and uh i listen to usually dr Youssef, which is leading the way in the morning and dr charles stanley uh in touch and then uh doctor they're all they're all doctors i didn't realize that uh and then uh um well i forgot what the other guy's name is uh jesus i can't think of it at the moment uh but uh very good he's very good also when he's on at a different time and he was tell and he's told this story he's, he gave his his message and he told this story about the thresher i believe it was called the thresher the thresher submarine which is american submarine it was a nuclear submarine and in 1963 uh it was built and it went on its shakedown run its maiden voyage um just shakedown right and i believe there was a crew of 120 130 th- people on it there was a um you know engineers what have you wouldn't shakedown run and they took it into a deep dive i guess it was supposed to dive very deeply and it went into a very deep dive and what had happened was that the point that he was making is that it went it it got crushed that the weight that the the pressure under the ocean i think they were down at twenty thousand feet or something uh it was i believe it was off of guam and there's like a canyon there all right twenty thousand feet and, it, it, and sadly everyone got killed the submarine got crushed into little pieces all right it got crushed. and you say well how did they know about it? because i think subsequently years later they went and they got some kind of unmanned thing that they built that was able to go down there and take pictures of it and what have you but the take-home message here and that was his take-home message uh david jeremiah that's his name dr david jeremiah and uh i forgot what the name of his 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 uh broadcast is so they sent this unmanned vehicle 
down and I think the submarine was at 27,000 feet, more or less, don't hold me to it. I think they originally thought it was 26, but it ended up being 28. I'm at the bottom of the ocean of this canyon. And it was a discovery that was made. And because prior to then, and I don't know what year they, I mean, it was not if the submarine crashed in 63, it was not in 63 that they went down there. So I don't know when it was, how many years later. They knew where it sunk. It didn't crash, it sunk. But anyway, so they go down there with this unmanned thing. It's got lights, it's got cameras. Whatever number you want to say, 26,000, 27 to 25,000 feet, right? Crush this submarine like a like a like a gorilla walking on a on a on a soda can, right? Crushed it, just imploded it, right? That they said nothing could live down there. Well, that's what the what the people who were supposed to know said, right? Nothing could live down there. Well, uh, all right. Well, there is a fish that lives down there thrives down there i forgot what it was called uh something that's something snailfish right thrives down there schools of them and they're swimming all around and this is this fantastic discovery so what i guess um what from what i understand is that somehow at one particular point they actually got one of these fish and they said well they wanted to study it they said well how how what kind of skin does it have how thick is it how what what, what is it that it could and the other thing which they didn't which, which dr jeremiah didn't say in the show is that if the fish if these fish are living down there and swimming all around but it's sunk sadly but it's sunken submarine that means there has to be other things living down there because they got to eat and if not down there maybe a couple of thousand feet up higher right it's not going to come up to sea level to uh, to go eat and then go down twenty six thousand feet so what basically happened is i forgot what the actual number was but they found out that the skin of this fish is so thin i don't know if he said a half a millimeter or something and they cannot understand how this fish can survive and thrive when what man made with the finest materials known to man the finest engineers no because united states is the finest all right i don't care what anybody thinks that especially in 1963 we had the finest of the world and how and I actually, when I heard this, I actually started to cry in the car. To think how wonderful and how great our Lord is that he could make a fish with his thin little skin that's living down at 25, 26, 27,000 feet, happy as a lark, prospering, growing, having schools of them. And it really is a humbling experience to think how wonderful, how wonderful our Lord is that he's able to do this with this thin little skin, no armor plating, no anything. And obviously it's very sad that the people in the submarine died, but it just shows how how the Lord used a terrible, terrible tragedy to his glory in revealing this fish that prior to the thresher sinking no one knew existed so listen i want to thank you so much for 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 bearing with me today i hope you enjoyed the show learning my thoughts on it whatever that's worth right and we'll go back to a regular idle chatter next week
But I felt kind of guilty because it was kind of obscure what I was talking about last week, and I'm sure some of the people felt that it was obscure. But I want to take you to the next level. What I complained about, <clears throat> about the farm machinery show, and every show that this industry is not giving, not providing any education, all right? So I don't want to be part of that, and that's why I sometimes do these obscure shows because I want to take as many who want to come along with me to a higher level of learning, a higher level of education, all right, and to use that higher level of, and, and lots of times it's just understanding a concept. It's, I don't want to make you an engineer. I don't want to make you a PhD. I don't have a PhD, but I want to take you to that, to that next level, that to the next level, and then from there on for the next level. And those who listen to this show are of that ilk that want to learn and want to take it to the next level because, as I always say, is that the educated farmer is the most profitable. You don't have to be an expert in everything, but you have to have exposure to it and understand it. So I want to thank you so much, and you have a blessed day, and I will, God willing, catch you next week. And if you're up at the New York Farm Show, look for me, and please come and say hello, and I would love to shake your hand and know about you. Have a blessed day, and I'll... And I'll catch you again. Bye-bye.